Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hi, hi, hi. You know what? I didn't hear the wickle wow for some reason. I know the wickle wow. It did it. it I didn't hear the first one. Yeah, it was, maybe I was just grooving along. I don't know. I might have just been grooving on down, grooving on down the road. Okay. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 183. <laughs> I'm the, your host, Jessica Coverman. With me, as always, my co-host, Elsie Escobar. Woohoo! And our magical producer, Hello. John Buchanan. Don't forget our Gelman, John John okay. Buchanan. <laughs> Coming in. Keeping it real. Coming to you live from the East Coast, all different areas. All different areas. Uh, I am windy at the moment, very windy. I am snowy. We are snowing. No, I'm sorry. We are full on snow. I just went out in the snow to get breakfast with my schmoo just so he could have a little outside time. Mm -hmm. It's snowing like the dev, and um, he has, has no school today. Do your kids have school today, John? Are you with your son and daughter? Our teachers and superintendents over here are idiots. They wanted to oh, do is awesome. they wanted to send them to school in the morning, and then when it got really, really bad, like cut them loose on the roads. Oh, great! Oh, good idea. Oh, fabulous! Perfect. I said, "Yeah, no, we're smarter than you. We kept them home." Ah. And then what happened was every parent who has a brain larger than a hard-boiled egg did the same thing. So in our area, you have to call the kids in when they're not coming to school. There is so many calls coming in that it's overloading their system. And they keep calling back and saying, your student is not in school. Please call and call your student out. And we're like, yeah, <laughs> shut up. This is, you know why? This is your fault because you're dumb. <laughs> Dumbness. I guess there's a part of me that feels very glad that I don't have to deal with any of that crap. I'm sure I have my own crap to deal with, but yeah. Yes. You know, you some people have yurt rats. Some people have snow yes. problems. <laughs> Correct. How was the feedback on the yurt rat? We haven't had, I mean, I haven't, we haven't really had any yet. as much. Yeah, okay. not not very much on the yurt rat stuff. Um, uh, yeah, I think that uh, maybe we'll hear a little bit more yurt rat stuff. Who knows? <laughs> maybe that was a little bit off-putting, reading maybe. yurt rat. They're like, what does that mean, right? Because the clitoris of podcasting is very, like, specific. I bet you that for, did well. Right. <laughs> yurt rats, most people don't really know what a yurt is. So they're That's like, you gotta listen. I know. That's why you have to listen to the show. What the frig? I know. It's explained in the episode. Everyone needs a yurt rat or two. Everyone (laughs) needs it. How about you? Oh, my God. Yeah. All the animals and all the stuff and all the things. Absolutely. This week, we have a special sponsored tip segment from Danny Osmond from Emerald City Pro. Take it away, Danny. Have you ever thought your voice sounded empty or harsh or dull? Have you ever been unhappy with Skype or Zoom audio quality? Have you ever followed all the instructions and still had sound issues or wished the balance was better between your guest and yourself? 
Have you ever agonized over what gear to buy? Well, that's why I'm here. I'm Danny Osmond from Emerald City Productions, and I'm going to help you solve the real problem here. You have an important message, and you should be focusing on audience growth, but at best, you're spending too much time on editing and sound quality. And at worst, poor audio quality might actually be pushing your audience away. Podcasting isn't a full-time thing for most people, and then life gets in the way. School, jobs, careers, they all pull out our attention, and we just want to get our show done so that we can say we did it. And you know what? That leads to mediocre sound quality that could have easily been amazing. Most podcasters listen to amazing shows. They get inspired to create something just as amazing, and then don't take the necessary steps to reach a certain level of quality. It's really not about talent or gear. Talented people with awesome equipment make mediocre sounding shows all the time. So that's why I'm here today to provide you with eight proven ways to get amazing sound quality that are based on fundamental recording principles that have been perfected over the last 100 years. My first tip is going to be the most important tip, and that's that you have to understand the basics of recording. I'm going to break the basics of recording into three things. The first will be signal flow. Signal flow is basically the path of the audio from your mouth to the recorder or the path of the audio during mixing. But you have to understand how the signal flows so that you can troubleshoot any problems that arise. Then you also have to understand terminology and formats. Did you know that WAV files and AIFF files are higher quality than MP3 files? Did you know that you should try to stay in the file format that you started in as long as possible? You also need to understand terminology like stereo or mono. Is a file mixed? Is it mastered? And you also have to understand the recording process itself. The first step in the recording process is pre-production. This is preparation and planning. Then we go to tracking, also known as recording. You then have editing, which is tightening things up, cutting things out, adding things in, moving things around. And then mixing. Mixing is balancing, processing, and arranging the audio. And then the final step is mastering, where you're repairing any sonic issues that have been created, you're optimizing the loudness, and also creating the final file that will be uploaded to your host. Understand the basics and you're already off to a good start. Head over to emeraldcitypro.com to download the free podcasting checklist. I was wondering if we'd like to move on to some news. The news you can use. For the informed podcaster, podcasting news. Woohoo! Okay, you want to start with. Oh, didn't read this one yet. (laughs) (laughs) It's. it's, uh, Well, there's a. So this is sort of like a. This came through most people talking about this that I had seen that iHeartRadio could file. For bankruptcy very, very soon. So this isn't they, the right article, if that's the case, because this doesn't oh, say anything about that. Shares three. Oh, oops. That is not. Oops. I didn't put the right article in here. Duh. Let me see if I can find it really quick. So as in, in essence, and the reason that I put this other article in here, though, Jess, is because I was a little bit confused. So the news broke. Uh, at least I got some information that came through the pike. I think it was in, on Bloomberg. So hopefully I'll be able to get this loaded and share the article with you guys. And Bloomberg is a pretty decent, you know, website. It's not something that is a random rumor mill kind of thing. It's like right up there with all kinds of very important information about all things financial. And it said that iHeartRadio is essentially going to be filing for bankruptcy like 
very, 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 very soon. Uh, and I thought like, oh my gosh, that's kind of crazy. And it was straight in your face. Like, this is what's up. This is what's happening. I thought they just got a whole thing of funding. Why did I think that? I don't know, because I think I'm very sad. Who knows? Maybe it's just because it sounded like it was somebody else's information. So it's um, here. I think I got I got the article here. I'm going to put it inside the show notes for you. I heard someone else say it, too. So it's not it just didn't come from you guys that I saw first. So essentially they are preparing for bankruptcy. And it said in this article that was posted on the at the beginning of uh, March, which was on March 1st that they could file as soon as this weekend. Mind you, the weekend is over, really. And at least at this time that we are recording, which is on Wednesday, this has not happened yet. So, yeah. Huh. So there. So there's that. And then, so this is fairly big news. I mean, it's a, it's a pretty big company. I mean, they've been around for a while. They're super uh, visible. And most people, like, it's a well-known Super brand. visible. They're huge. Yeah. Yeah. A huge company in distribution right now. Right. I wonder if you prepare for bankruptcy like you prepare for colonoscopy. Like you drink all that stuff and you flush out all the bad stuff. (laughs) And then you have what's left over and then they go in. And then you go. Yeah. And then what's left over is not too good. What's left over. Right. But but so here's what shook me. So so anyway, that was the news. And I was like, oh, my gosh, iHeartRadio. It's like going down the tube, you know, like whatever. And then... Literally the next day, there were all of these announcements that they were in development of these. They're going to be, you know, there's three podcast announcements. And so it was like, um, I got a little confused because I thought, wait, so they're getting ready to file for bankruptcy. And yet they are producing three new podcasts. So then I posted this on my wall, on my Facebook page. That's why you have this article. Yeah. So then I posted that on because I forgot the first one. So sorry about that. Yeah. And so I posted that on my on my Facebook page, Elsie Escobar official. And I commented on that and I said, you know, so here's this. And yet there's this. I'm a little bit confused. So I had, of course, Crystal from uh, support from Lipson, who is like crazy smart. (laughs) She was like, well. Just because you're filing for bankruptcy doesn't necessarily mean you're like out of the loop. You know, there is like all kinds of change, just like what essentially what John just said, which is you get ready for it. Like when you get ready for the colonoscopy, you get all the stuff out, you clean it all up, you do all the stuff and then you keep on doing stuff because this is getting ready to file. It doesn't necessarily mean that they have already. And the other thing is, once you do file, it also doesn't mean that you completely disappear. It just means that That's things true. are spread in different ways. There's assets that are, are shifting, shifting position or things that are, of course, I'm sure there's going to be layoffs at some point or d- redistribution of assets primarily. You know who just filed bankruptcy that's still chugging along? Toys R Us. See? Right? It really so, doesn't mean doodles. It's not the yeah. same as Borders um, books going Close out. Of, I mean... Yeah, bankruptcy doesn't mean going out of business. Yeah, exactly. And I think that that's something that uh, I, in my in my own subconscious, is what I was thinking. It's like, oh, bankruptcy equals going out of business, but that's not it. So they are filing for bankruptcy, and obviously they're redistribution. Uh, re- re- <laughs> <but> <laughs> they're changing things around, is what I meant to say. 
so, but so they're kind of focusing in on on podcasts. So there's that. How about that? I see them. What they're doing is they're hedging their bets. They have one foot on the dock and one foot on the boat. They're do, they're taking a lot of their radio shows and they're making them podcasts that you can also listen to on the app when you know when it's when they're not on afterwards. And then I also see a few of their hosts having their own podcast where they can get a little racier. They can use a little bit more uh, non-work friendly language uh, mm-hmm. and they'll do like a 20 minute episode after they do their radio show. So I've, so they're dabbling. They're, they're testing the waters and they have everything self-contained on their app. I, that's see that the problem I have with the iHeart radio app is I don't want to have all these apps on my phone taking up all the space. So yeah. It was nice that they actually started to put a, an RSS feed that I can grab the RSS feed and then put it into my catcher and then have it downloaded. But I, there's a couple shows that I follow that I actually listen to every day that I first found on the iHeartRadio app. That's really great. And unfortunately, though, John, that's kind of what they don't want you to do unless they are in some way bringing revenue with the podcasts themselves versus them calling you to use their own app. Right. Um, I when I posted this on the Libsyn wall as well, some of the comments that I got there were from podcasters saying that their app sucks, that, you know, essentially that's what they were saying. And I'm interested, too, about these three podcasts that are like one of them. It says that it is a collaboration with um, Variety for Playback with Chris Tapley. And that would be like a weekly film podcast. And I guess they have a 40-episode season. That's a very long season. 40-episode <laughs> season featuring conversations with directors and actors. So there's that. And then they have another one. And that one is called uh, Enrique Santos and Overtime. So that is a Spanish-language podcast. <laughs> and it's hosted by bilingual radio personality Enrique Santos. And so it seems here that that's a daily show and it's 15 to 20 minutes long. Interesting, Mm. and that's covering uh, any and all topics that don't make it onto the broadcast. So I assume that this is exactly sort of like the bonus content from Enrique Santos on the radio program. And then finally, this is interesting, it's Tom Tom Brokaw, and he relaunched his podcast, Now Hear This, on iHeartRadio. So I... I, Was that his? I guess. Well, well, there's a different... I have a feeling... Tom Brokaw. Does no. do? I didn't know he did. Now hear this. Why no, do I but feel I, like that's because I think that there's another podcast that is called that as well. Oh, let me see. You're probably. I have right. a feeling that's a different podcast because I know the name of that podcast and I know that it wasn't Tom. Brooks. Yeah, exactly. He always sounds you know, like he's had a few too many see. for me when he talks. How broke off? I don't know if it's a speech impediment or if it's his radio voice or if he always talks that way, but like. Yeah, he's easy to, um, what's the word? He's easy to mock or mimic or do an impression of because he has such a weird way of talking. Mm-hmm. This is Tom Brokaw. Now hear that. Yeah, because it's, it seems like the older he's getting, it's like his mouth itself. It's not getting enough of a workout. <laughs> and so you know, it's like. My jaw is locked up. And I yeah, exactly. There's actually a few called Now Hear This. His is Tom Brokaw Now Hear This. But the oh, other see, one. There's one by John Sticks and Roxanne Amber, but that has two episodes. And then there's one called Here, H-E-R-E, This. But that one stopped in October of last year. I don't see any others. But I, I feel like there was another one, like an NPR one. 
I feel that there that now here this one was actually kind of not NPR, but it was a little bit more on the famous side. Like it was something that kept yeah, like Gimlet up or something. Yeah, it, it kept, yeah, it was. It kept coming up, but it, it's been it's an old school one, and I don't think it was yeah. Gimlet or any of those guys. It was just something that's been around for a while. That was a little no, bit, but it's something. Yeah, yeah, but it was something, which is kind of weird having the same name again. Can I go off topic for just one sec? Sure. I've been watching this show called Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. It's it's a Jerry Seinfeld show on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And um, he was talking to Jimmy Fallon, and he wanted to know if Jimmy has ever done an impression, you know, how often does he get to do impressions for the for the person that he's doing an impression of? Or, like, it, and then Jerry asked him, like, what people does he do an impression of that just talk like that all the time? And his perfect example, which I thought was so funny, was the Saturday Night Live announcer. Because he's like, Jimmy Fallon, you know, what's his name? It's oh, not Don yeah, Pardo. Yeah. Jimmy Fallon. But he's like, what's weird is that when you first start work there and you pass him in the hallway, he'll be like, Jimmy, how was your weekend? What did you do? Like, he just talks that way. That's why he's a good announcer. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if like Tom Brokaw is the same way, right? It's like, Elsie, so good to oh. see you. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Oh, my God. That would be, yeah, that's pretty amazing. I mean, it's so weird because you would think- it, it would be unnerving because you'd be like, oh, yeah. oh, hi. And it would be hard to not imagine, comment. Yeah, imagine this McDonald's order. I'll have an egg McMuffin with cheese. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. After the break, I'll be back with a tuna salad sandwich. Yeah, uh, yeah. The other person, just uh, just in case you're curious, was, uh, was Jack Nicholson. He was at a ball game with Jack Nicholson. And they were all eating snacks, and Jimmy got Cracker Jacks. And Jack leans over to him and goes, what's in the box, Jimmy? And uh, <laughs> I can't do a Jack Nicholson, so just yeah, excuse yeah. me. And he was like, I don't know yet. He goes, did you get the prize yet? And he was like, no, I didn't get the prize yet. And he digs for it, and it's a, a snake tattoo or something. And he goes, he looks off into the distance towards the ball game. And, he, <laughs> and Jack goes, and Jack goes, in my day, you used to get a little metal toy. Now all you get is a picture of a fucking snake. I mean, I wish I could do a Jack impression because it was so much better when he did it. But you can just hear him go, fucking snake. But he's talking about Cracker Jacks, right? But he's still oh Jack Nicholson. God. Isn't that funny? Yeah. Anyway, like, I wish I could do a funnier. Yeah. yeah, when there's people that are that. They just, just can't help but be themselves all the time. Yeah, totally. Well, and the reason it came up actually was because Jimmy was saying that when Jerry was on the show with him, that Jerry's the only person he's ever done the impression for that actually changed the way he talked to match Jimmy's impression. So when they were on Saturday Night Live together, and Jimmy was like, "What's with airports?" and and then Jerry would be like, "I don't know." You know, he like <laughs> raised his voice to like be more like Jimmy's impression than he, than the real person. So, oh, right, right. So it was a little, yeah, it was a little, yeah. Totally. It would be like if you changed your voice to sound like me imitating you. That would be bizarre. Isn't that weird? Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, okay, back to back to the news. Back to the news. So now we go into the white lady teacher. Hold on to your loins, everybody. First of all, a lot of teachers are white ladies. I feel like that's not a good thing to call her. I'm not sure why white lady teacher. It's just that like the white lady teacher because of what she's doing. Because I I couldn't remember. You can't say white supremacist. When I, I couldn't remember white supremacist. So then like I and I was doing I was taking these notes or putting these notes out like when I do the show notes for the show, it's like the information comes in and I immediately put it in the Trello board. 
And if there's any kind of obstacle in my way, I say, forget you, popsicle. (laughs) Forget you, you, obstacle. Please tell me that you got that drop and said, forget you, popsicle. Got it all. (laughs) Please tell me. So that's what happened. I went in there and I was about to write the headline. And then I'm like, what was it? Oh, white lady teacher. Forget you, popsicle. (laughs) Get the fuck out. Forget you, popsicle. All right, so let's talk about Elsie's white lady teacher. White lady teacher. <laughs> All right, so, so do you bitter want towards to, the white would man, you Elsie. like to explain as to why, like I said, white lady, well, why that popped into my head? Do you want to like read the headline maybe of one of these? Let's say the first one that came to me was via. I sent it to you via BuzzFeed, right? Yes. And then I found it on Huffington Post. And while she was deleting all her social accounts and deleting her RSS feed, it was still on TuneIn Radio. So I got a chance to listen to the first three episodes before it went boop. Oh, it did disappear. Okay. Oh, it, so on. Patrick Keller, um, Patrick Keller, who is one of our He Podcast listeners, He Podcasters that listens, he sent it to me very early in the morning and he was like, uh, in case you haven't seen it. And I had seen it before. I, I saw it, but I never really read it because it it came out and it was like, oh, I have to go read that. So he sent it to me and I read the first article, which is the in the new civil rights movement dot com. That's the that's the website that he sent to me. And that's the story that I read. And that's when I went into the our Trello board and wrote White Lady Teacher. Is it a black hole sun? It's white lady teacher. Won't you come yeah. wash so away the brown you know what, people? Yeah, we still haven't we still haven't talked about what this is. So here's the title of the article that Patrick sent me. Florida social studies teacher exposed for secretly hosting white nationalist podcast and boasting she's teaching kids her views. And then they quote from the HuffPost article that John shared in here with us. And essentially, it seems like she was just essentially boasting in the inside of the show that she was covertly teaching her kids all of this like crazy, crazy stuff. And you heard it, right, John? You actually heard the show. Yeah, okay. I did. And she did do all right. that. And she was talking to another teacher and she was you know, basically teaching white nationalism or as we call it, Nazism, kind of, sort of. And then... What happened was then when you read the article, she says she was just playing a character. Well, she's playing too close. She's a teacher of kids. And in the podcast, she's talking about how she's, you know, oh, come on. That's bullshit. So again, I said she she had an exit. She thought she she thought she had she's playing is nice teacher. Right. (laughs) Exactly. That's the character. So this is a dilemma. (laughs) Here's a real dilemma because. No, it is. I mean, she took her own podcast down and she took down her own social media and everything but if she left that up what do you do in that situation because it's her view i mean as much as i can't stand it wait a minute as much as i can't stand her view she has a right to it so i don't know how you handle that so here but here i think that there are two separate issues here and john i'm i totally agree Here's the thing. There is the teacher, right? The teacher lady who is doing this and covertly teaching this point of view. And yeah, there are, I am sure there are guidelines inside of school systems where they detail some of these ethical things. And I'm sure it's part of a contract, right? So when you become a teacher, these things are part of, you kind of, 
you, you sign off to it. I will not do X, Y, and Z. Like, you know, you, you do stuff like that. So it is yes. obvious that if, if, and I'm just, and now like, alleged, let's see, allegedly that what I'm thinking is that she was not being satirical. Let's just say she was straight up pretending to be this Russian lady teaching as a Russian person and saying that, that, you know, basically to hide who she is. But essentially what she did in doing that was went against her contract. Therefore, she's broken the contract. Therefore, she can be taken away, you know, taken off of being a teacher and removed from the classroom, which is exactly what happened. And even then, there's I'm sure there's going to be some investigations into all of the things that she alleges and and what what the perception is and all that stuff. That's that one issue on its own, right? That's the issue of her having this podcast and doing all the stuff and going against it and it's done. But then there's the other issue where it's like this which as as a content provider, a content uh, creators where part of the amazingness of podcasting is that we give voice to people who often don't have voices and I push for this, you know, giving the voice to the voiceless is something that I absolutely believe in. I do believe that podcasting is like the great equalizer to bring this incredible power to to those that haven't been heard before and empower us that way. But at the same time, it also can be shifted and can be used for evil, if you will. And part of it is like, what do we, you know, as what, what I'm saying is, as podcasters, what do we do? You almost have well, to stand up. You have to almost stand up and protect her right to be a moron because. Right. Yeah. As podcasters, we don't do anything. Right. She can right. Do a podcast exactly. about any it's, old thing yeah. she wants. Right. As, as um, a teacher it's a te- it's or a teachers totally, or administrators yeah. of a school, regardless of contract, you don't want to hire somebody like that, period. I agree right. with that. So, Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I would, you know me, I would never take away someone's right to free speech, but I would take away their right to teach my children or be a cop or clergy yes. or, you know, yep. those are my three bugaboos, right? Because we talked about this when the guy was doing like a cheesy uh, yeah. comedy, just, you know, despicable, co- whatever with women Sex peeing thing. or whatever. Yeah. You right. can't be a teacher. You don't get to be a teacher. You can say whatever the bloody hell you want. Right. You cannot be a teacher, a cop, or a priest. So this makes me nervous on a couple, on a personal note, that there was one podcast that I was uh, friends with the podcaster. I found them, and it's a comedy podcast, and it's not politically correct. And that he uh, had a job somewhere else, and they found out about his podcast, and he had to take it down. And he's just being funny. But somebody might have been offended by what he said. Now. Where do we, as podcasters, where does it fall where we care about whether someone's offended or not? Like when you're offended, you what happens you can't. to the person? Nothing. Right. Nothing. I mean, they can make they can try to make your life miserable by having trying to have you fired, and they can try to make your life miserable if you have any kind of advertisers. But it just seems that comedy now is taking it on the chin because some people get offended and this is where it makes, this is what makes me nervous about podcasts. It has always been that way with comedians. Think about it. I mean, think about all the people that were offended by Richard Pryor or right. Um, and they fought I'm through to think it. of who was offensive, like the first offensive people. Well, look like. at Howard Stern. If you want to go back to, you know, just something that's, you know, through radio, yeah. he took it. People have always been offended by him. By, by, by his form of comedy. 
So, and I don't yeah. even think that him as a person is really a tell of how, he, of what he thinks is funny. So as you get into something like this, I just think we have to be kind of conscious of being, I don't want to use the word respectful. It's, it's a really weird way of talking about what are you allowed to podcast about? And as podcasters, I just say that the people that want to hear that message will gravitate to it. The people that don't will gravitate away from it. The weird thing is that she started the podcast on February 3rd. Her last podcast was February 28th. It wasn't even a month and a half. And the podcast was found. She was found. And then her employer was contacted. So talk about the power of podcasting. It's amazing. You think that you're going to put a podcast out. Nobody's going to hear it. That was what shocked me. Now, you know, and it's so interesting because I, I, I wonder, I wonder how, how they found them. Like, I wonder what, I don't know. There was like, cause Huffington Post is the one that supposedly that broke the story. Like who told them? Like, I'm wondering like how that, that all went down. Well, I guess, mm. I mean, you're trying to, so you're one day you're looking for a good podcast to search and then you decide to go in the search engine and just plug in white supremacy, what? baby. <laughs> How does that happen? <laughs> right. And then they to go that, that, oh, that's a teacher somewhere, right? And then immediately her picture was up. She used a different name. She used a. She did. It was a, a, a Russian. She had a Russian persona. She decided she was a Russian. Yeah. Lady. How did, did they she... find? Yeah. Exactly. Hold on. How did they find it? So they, were, they found this podcast about where she was talking about being, uh, I don't know, whatever you want to call that. And then it took them not even a month to, to track this down. And again, the first two episodes were like, I'm going to do this. I'm really excited. I can't wait. And then the next episode, this is what we're going to be doing. I can't wait. And then she got into one, two. By the third episode, it was over. I just, right. it's like, you know, you see her in there deleting files, delete, 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 hitting the button a hundred times, trying to get rid of everything. The, the Twitter was gone. The Facebook was gone. The show was gone. How did they well, find it? That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. And it and it was a pretty crazy because it was like, think about this. So you're doing your thing, right? You're doing your you're doing your little show. You have a pseudonym and you're saying that this is satire. And then all of a sudden on Huff, on the Huffington Post, they have a picture of you, like a giant picture of you. Big smile. This is your name. This is where you work. This is what she's oh, doing. Oh, it was this the is- profile photo that tipped them off, but how did they look for it in the first place? But what, what I'm saying is like, was was she that stupid that she yes. has a pseudonym and then she put her own yes. face? They have she, it on Facebook. Yes, they have it holy on the crap. I can see it. Oh, my God. Th- yes. Look well, on the then that's the just yes. stupid. Well, that's just. So actually, she's too stupid to be she a teacher. Stupid. Yeah. And either. And, but, and actually, in both terms, mind you, and, and I don't want to make absolute. This is not an excuse, but I'm just saying. She's 25. No, she's 25 years old. And I remember, you know, I remember me at 25 years old. I don't think I was that smart. I mean, I thought I was that smart, but <laughs> looking back, I wasn't. And maybe those decisions I made as a 25 year old, I know were not the best decisions in my life or have no. been the best decisions in my life. Now, I'm just, I, I'm just putting that out there. And now the other thing is this it's like, here, if you're going to do a satire and you're going to go all out on this stuff, right? And to- totally, and let's let's believe her. Let's believe that this was a satire piece of some kind. You must be better than that. 
You know, you got to be smarter than that. That's just stupid. It's bad. It's bad satire because nobody knew it was satire. Yeah. But it it wasn't satire. It was disguised as satire. Exactly. So then afterwards, if you if that's your defense as a teacher, oh, it was satire. Really? That's also really dumb and stupid. Because I got to figure out how they found her. Now, now you've got me bothered. See, yeah, because I, I mean, I don't know how that happened and and how Huff Poe got the scoop. I'm sure there was somebody who told on her, mm-hmm. or somebody that you know saw the picture or listened to the show and was like, "Oh my God, you guys have to do a story on this teacher," or maybe it was a parent, or maybe it was whatever. Because, you know, social media is such that it can take up, you know, it could it could literally just started running. Uh, it took off and she didn't even know this was happening behind the scenes. I mean, look at how much sleuthing. I like to say that word sleuthing. I, you and I do. Sure. Right? I'm going to make a guess because I can't. I can't. I, it doesn't say anywhere for sure, but I'm going to make a guess. I'm going to guess that Huffington Post reporters went to podcasts to find who who the white supremacist shows were, what they were saying, who they were being hosted by, then investigated the hosts. Sure. Found this girl. Mm-hmm. Maybe they have some kind of software that does like a facial recognition match. Otherwise, um, you know. It was, it's, it was basically, basically an alley. Right. But it was like digging and digging and digging. How did they do that? I mean, don't they do? Don't they have facial recognition stuff that they sure can they like do. pull up one picture, do another picture? It was probably that. Yeah, and it's not facial recognition stuff, dude. If you do that, if you do that yourself, that's actually true. Can't you post a picture on? Can't you upload a picture to Google Images and have them find a match? Yes, that's what we. Yeah, doc, uh, you know, so anybody can do told it. it. Yeah, Officer Byers told us that when he was on the episode. He said, That's right. Anybody this is can what do happens. It. You could put it on the, you know, Google search, Google images, and it, and it will absolutely search for another face. And I mean, so I'm that's not. That's probably what happened. Yeah, and there's that. And then also, this is also kind of changing the subject, but did you see, did you opt into the facial recognition on Facebook? I did. Well, when yes. you put that up there, I, I opted out of it. So in other words, I didn't want not, I did not want them using my face for facial recognition. Why not? Because just in the same way that you can find yourself, somebody else can also find you. Right. Mm-hmm. I think I want to be so, found. So everything well, then you should that check yes. Then you should well actually it is it is yes by default. So if she didn't not do it, then right. you are All being, right, I click no. You don't have so to. You don't have no, to. I I'm did. just I did. Just be careful, so, podcasters. Just be careful what you say out there. I, there's another podcast I listen to. A gentleman was hired by Target, and he was working there over the Christmas season. And he thought he was going to have the job after the Christmas season because of the way they they liked the way that he worked. And during the podcast, he was talking about the managers and the people that work at the store. And he was naming names, and he never thought they would listen. Oh, and they listened. Great. And then right before... It was time to, you know, it, they, he was the first one to go after seasonal help. He was the first one they let go. And it was because of his podcast. Well, it wasn't because of his podcast. It was because he was a numbskull and he started naming names <laughs> and talking about people. Right. So just be careful. The only way you can really safely have a podcast is if you don't have a full-time job. It's the only way to ensure you're not going to get fired. Work for yourself, dummies. I know. Otherwise, you're running a huge risk. Yeah, that's because uh, you have clients, and if your clients find out that you're doing something unsavory, 
Well, maybe you only want racist clients. <laughs> That's a small market to pull from. Well, see, I know Very that is. part of it, it is really that is. if you, you know, if you're clear about or if you're if you don't, you know, because we know or at least I know myself. So I'm speaking just for myself here that there are some podcasters that I have listened to in the past, um, you know, share their views or they have opinions or whatever on their podcast, which they are, you know, they can have. That's fine. That's great. That, but I would never work with them like they don't reflect what I want to work with or who I want to work with. I do not. I do not. It doesn't resonate with me. That has nothing to do with me, like, you know, judging them as a human being or anything. But I just don't necessarily want to work with somebody. And I think that if you yeah. are clear about what you believe in and you speak from that place, you will immediately repel people that you shouldn't be working with in the first place and call to you people that are really going to resonate with you. And it just makes everybody's life easier. That in itself, though, doesn't mean you're just going to sit there and alienate everyone by your attitude just to be snippy or, you know, just to push boundaries. I mean, that's a whole other thing as well. And there's the other aspect of it, which is like the comedians and like people who are, in fact, this is what they do. They push the envelope as far as they could. They, they just see how far they can take it. Because that's who they, that's what they do. On, that's what their thing is. And they're very good at it. So we just have to know where we fit into all of that stuff and, and what we're willing to be okay with and what we're not. And I have a feeling this is going to be a bigger conversation as we continue to grow, right? Because it's going to get more. There's going to be more of this, for sure. More, more, more of this. And what if they decided to just embrace this? And there was a white supremacist network of podcasts. They would, again, like any niche, they would get listeners and they would yep. get supporters and stuff like that. Yes, now, would. there would be a ton of people that would be shouting them down. What do you do about it? So I don't know. I, it, the way I look at it, it kind of identifies them, identifies the people. So it's a slippery slope and it's, it's a tough situation. You know, it, it disgusts me when they do stuff like this because I, I just don't believe in pushing people down. I believe in raising people up. So I don't know. It just bothers me. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So shall we move into this that I didn't read? So, Jess, I assume you put this in here and it is about Earwolf has have has a paywall. Yes. Super interesting. So um, starting March 31st, Earwolf episodes older than six months will only be available to Stitcher premium subscribers. So if you listen to anything on Earwolf, you can still get the most recent stuff. Um, but Comedy Bang Bang, Throwing Shades, Deeper Shade of Shade, the Pro Hollywood Handbook, the Pro Version, everything's going behind a paywall for five bucks a month or $35 for the entire year, which is almost half the monthly, which is interesting. Interesting because you can't get it on. I mean, we saw mid-roll purchase Stitcher, right? Or Earwolf purchase Stitcher a few months ago. And we reported that, I believe. Well, now we know why. It's so that they can make everyone pay for a past episode of their of their network stuff. Right. There's no telling whether or not Stitcher's going to allow other shows to do that. I don't see why they would. But I just, I think it's very interesting. I want I posted this because I wanted to know what you guys thought about them putting every old episode behind a paywall on their entire network. It, it's going to only appeal to real true fans of the network, you know, or maybe somebody 
who starts to listen and, and wants to go back to their back catalog. Like there's people who are hardcore fans of like Mark Marin and for sure want to have access to those back catalog episodes, especially when he says something like I interviewed so-and-so back in the day or, you know, whenever he has had somebody who has passed away, which I think he's had a couple <laughs> of people in his show that have passed away. And then all of a sudden you kind of want to touch base with that episode again. And you're like, where is it? Oh, it's in the back, in the back catalog. And then you actually, I, like, I, I think that I paid for something where I wanted to listen to somebody who died and he interviewed them. So that's a possibility. I also feel like when I was looking at this, I'm like, oh, Earwolf. But I don't necessarily listen to Earwolf shows. Like, I don't, I'm not a fan of theirs. But I am a fan of another network called Relay FM. Who, and I listen to at least five of their podcasts. If they went behind a paywall, I would consider paying for sure. If it was something like $35 a year, I totally would do it to have access to the back catalog. Because those are like the ones that my, my core listeners are primarily Relay FM. Listens are Relay FM shows. So mm-hmm. I would do it in that respect. It's kind of weird because uh-huh. I think, you know, again, as a consumer, I would probably game the system. So in other words, if there was a show like that, I would go back and research how many episodes that I wanted to listen to. I would sign up for one month, listen to those episodes, and then be done with it. It's what I did the same thing with Showtime. I wanted to watch Shameless for the new season. So I waited till they all came out so I could watch them all at once. And then I signed up for like eight hours, and I watched all, all the episodes, and then I signed out. And that was that. Uh, the reason that it would work for me for Relay FM and stuff is because they do have like these really in-depth conversations and things like the Mac Power Users, which is one of my favorite shows. Sometimes they really they cover, they do a whole entire show on one thing, like you know email or things like Text Expander or things like Omni Outline or like they they all go deep into all the stuff, and that's how come I learn all of these neat hacks, and I didn't know that they were happening. So I would like to have access to that because a lot of the time I'm not ready for that yet. Meaning I listen to the show and I'm like, oh, that was really cool. But I think it's a little too much over my head or I have no reason for me to do this workflow or use this app. But if and when I'm ready, I want to go back and listen to this again. And that's what happens. I do that all the time. They walk you through all the new OSs and what they mean and and how to, um, you know, make sure that you can boot from different places or like heart, like backup shows. And all the time, whenever you need that, I go back and I re-listen to those episodes. So I, it would be worth my while to be able to have access to the back catalog. Obviously, right now I'm not paying for it because it's just there. But if it was behind a paywall, I would do it for sure. Because, But that's also solving a problem for me. And I think maybe for Earwolf, Earwolf fans, like Earwolf solves a problem for them. It entertains them. It's something that they do. You know, it's like, this is my show. Like, this is something that I love to do. Like on Saturday night, like Saturday Night Live, maybe it's a favorite show for somebody or, you know, all of those shows that you come to be super into that you can't wait to hear it. It's part of their lives. They want access. Mm -hmm. I I could understand that. So we'll see how I'd like to see how it plays out. You know, the funny thing is that normal podcasters now, are coming up on 300 episodes. So you used to be able to keep all your right. episodes in your feed. Now you have to make a decision because you're over 300 and they will no longer, your first ones will never show up on iTunes. So now what do you do with them? How do you get them out there? Or, or you know, when people want to go back, you actually kind of, in a way, lose them in a way. Well, you only lose them if they are, like the only issue that arises with the 300 episodes is for somebody who is browsing in iTunes 
or is browsing in Apple Podcasts to look for a specific show. Because if somebody subscribes to your show, you get all of them. So it doesn't matter. They're still on your feed. So if it's, it's on the feed, you can still see all of them over 300. But what they don't get is the search of the searchability aspect of it. Or like if somebody like John, like, so John Lee Dumas has a variety of different accounts with Libsyn. And this is one of the reasons why he created his back catalog, sort of like he's got another feed that has yeah. all of his past, like his first episodes, like something, I don't know what he, he calls it, but it's different. So it's like his proper on fire one. And then he's got the back catalog on fire ones. And they're different right. feeds because he wanted the ability for people to see all of the guests that he has had. Now, people that are like Mac OS Ken, who is a daily news show that's from 10 to 15 minutes long. I think that if he has over, he's going to have over 300 episodes a year because it's a daily show. But how important is me now looking back to episodes in January 2017 for Mac News? I don't think it's that important anymore. I mm. think I've, it's more now, right? Because it's a new show. I don't want to go back. Uh, so it depends yeah. on the type of show you have and if, whether or not that brings value to the current audience. Hmm. I just wonder if it's a good representation of a business model. You know, like, I wonder if podcasters are going to see this and go, I'm putting all my stuff behind a paywall, too, and I'm going to make millions. Like, I don't know if this is going to be that big of a source of revenue for them, but I wonder if people will think that it's the way to go because that's what they're doing. Because, you know, people are such copycats. Yeah, but the thing is, this has been available for so many people already. That's what Mark Marin has been doing the whole time. I know, but no one big has ever done it. That's what, you know, Keith and the girl have been doing forever. That's how they make their money. I know, dude. Well, I know, but, but the thing is, though, it's like people who listen to Yearwolf are the same people who, well, I can, I'm just totally being, right, I'm completely making it up. Here it comes. But they're the same people as are, <laughs> they're listening to Mark Marin. It's like the same type yes. of folk. So they're already yes. used to it. So what I'm saying, it's true. like the same demographic or the same psychographic of person if they're doing that. Now, I think what would be really interesting is if they started to use it for so a demographic or a psychographic that isn't that. Maybe some like women or, um, you know, people who are listening to less entertainment, but more something like society and culture type shows. Um, would you pay for something like that for a show that's something like On Being from um, Krista Tippett, who is, it's a total spiritual show that she has these really in-depth interviews, kind of like along the lines of Mark Marin or Tim Ferriss, like that are way like deep. Uh, what if she, and she's been doing it for a long time as well. What if she started putting through the paywall? I'd be interested to know if people would step into that or maybe somebody like Tim Ferriss who has had these incredible, um, interviews that I would want to have access to what would happen if he decided to take that model on. I doubt that that's a model Tim would really resonate with because he's using his podcast to sell books. Like that's essentially the core of his message is how to use his pot. He, he's yeah, he uses his podcast to sell books like that. That's it. That's how come he is a New York Times bestseller over and over again. It's because of his podcast. So um, I don't think he would put it through a paywall, but it would be interested to see somebody like that do it. Um, and also the people who are earwolf types and the people who are Mark Marin types, there are used, there's a, a sense of being used to paying for things like Netflix, things like Hulu. They are more in, in they're less, um, they're, they're cord cutters. So it's a specific type of person. 
I, I, I still, I, I, I'd see like how it would play somewhere else. I doubt. And, and here's another thing too, when you were saying like people are going to be copycatters or cap, copycats. Um, Sarah from Lipson. <laughs> or catters. Or catters. Or catters. Uh, my Lipson, <laughs> for my, cause Lip, Lipson has this for you. So if you want to do this yourself, this is all set up through Lipson. It's called my Lipson. And you can essentially My. set this up. You could set it up so that only whatever X amount of your episodes are free and you have your cap and then you can put the rest in a back catalog and you can have either an online like a home and an app that can support this. So if you have subscribers, monthly subscribers, you can have this app that gives everybody availability of all your back catalog. If they're not subscribers, it's a free app that only shows the latest whatever, right? So you can do that via Libsyn. But here's the thing that Sarah has had to put up with, exactly what you're talking about, Jess. You get mm-hmm. people who are coming into Libsyn going like, okay, how can you help me monetize it? And they're like, well, these are the options. You could do advertising, this, this. You could do back catalog stuff. You could use my Libsyn, blah, blah. And they're like, oh, we want to do that. Okay, how many episodes do you have? I haven't started yet, but I want to do that. You know, and she's like, well, no, you have to understand. So now she's had to put in like, you have to have X amount of episodes on the feed. You have to have. And then she's put a limit on the download numbers, not because she wants to be exclusive with people, meaning only big shows can get access. But she's she's really trying to weed out the people who think they're going to get rich by doing this. And. For the most part, people who have a certain amount of download numbers can actually get more play on that, meaning they can actually convert people to subscribers. So Mm -hmm. there's that aspect of it. But it's like if you have if you do have a business already, like and we were talking about this um, yesterday, Jess, if you already have a business and you know how to market yourself, you know how to sell, you know how to influence your market. This would be a great model because you already know how to do all this stuff. You know how to sell it. You know how to get people to subscribe. You know how to. Or frankly, if you just know how much you get in back catalog. Oh, yeah. And you can can even calculate per month what you'll make. If all those people pay you $5 a month or 30 a year, you'll you'll be able to calculate how much money could I actually make. Well, um, if half of your downloads per month are back catalog and you can calculate that by looking at what your last four episodes made and then minus that from your monthly total then you can figure it out. Right. But you got to have a show first, people. A show first. Yes. A show first. A show first. And also to see like, you know, you can't just imagine that people are, that's the other thing. It's like, oh my God, this is a great model. I can just have people pay for my back catalog. But you don't Mm -hmm. realize the behavior of your users. I mean, of your listeners. If you are like a specific type of niche where your listeners have a limited, limited socioeconomic something or other, like, you know, like people like Diabetes Connection. Most of the time, she does not want to ask any money from her people because she knows that her people are paying for of their diabetes themselves or in their family. So, you know, Stacy, she does. She, she makes sure that doesn't happen. So doing a back catalog like this, she doesn't want to do that. She also doesn't want to do Patreon stuff because she knows that they are already putting themselves out so much economically that this is not going to be an asset to her people. So you have to think about your audience, too. You can't just all of a sudden. She's been monetizing it via um, sponsorship. 
sponsorship for her works a lot better than doing a membership type thing. And I mm-hmm. feel that every, every one of us with our different podcasts have to not only look to see what the revenue can be for us or business model can be for us as podcasters, but also how it will benefit our people. Because if, if again, if there is a boundary to participation, it's not going to happen. Well, with Stacy, she's very niche. In other words, if you have diabetes and she is a, an influencer, not only with the people that have it, but also the companies that serve it. And whenever there's an issue that goes on, she usually within a week or so has the, the people from the company talking to them about what that is, you know, company would you know, want to pay to get in front of her audience because they are her target audience. I would say they're the most educated about diabetes because they're looking for more information and more content. So they're the people that they want to be in front of. So I think that's why yeah. it works for Stacy. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. And, but, but again, you can see her point of view and she's incredibly respectful to her audience too, not to be asking for money for them because she knows for sure out of pocket for her to take care of her kid, how much it takes for, to just manage type one diabetes, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so it's, it's also being really clear about that stuff. So it'll, it'll be really interesting to see, um, uh, what happens with your wolf. I, I'm, I'm interested to know, you know, and, and you also won't be able to judge it based on a couple of months or maybe even six months, but this is the kind of thing again, that you won't really see the benefits of the choice maybe up to a year and see if you can continue it because it doesn't happen right away. And there's also going to be turnover, meaning there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be super stoked to support your wolf and be like, of course, I'm going to subscribe. And they're going to, you know, buy for the $34 or whatever for the year. And then what happens when the year is up? That's when it's going to really matter. That's when they're really going to see, okay, we're going to have people who are going to continue or we're going to have people who are going to go, that was great. But, you know, I didn't really listen to the shows. And that's when they're going to cut it off. So it's interesting to see all of that stuff. All right, so it's time now to talk a little bit about our podcast movement. Woohoo! Our, our sponsor for this episode, as well as the one we heard earlier today. But I kind of wanted to talk about, dude, Terry Gross is going to be the closing keynote for podcast movement this year. How about that? How about that? I know. I'm like, <laughs> you're so not excited. Terry Gross. I'm, are you kidding me? I was waiting for you to. I'm thrilled. Are you kidding me? I'm pooping in my pants. You know, I don't know if you guys know, and I'm just going to spell this out a little bit just because there, maybe there are some of our listeners who don't know who Terry Gross is, but Terry Gross has been on the air forever uh, with her podcast. Well, naturally not podcast, her show, Fresh Air, that was on the radio and um, has also been, you can listen to it as a podcast as well. You know, she's she's been an award winner of many different things like the Peabody Award in 1994 for its probing questions, revelatory interviews and unusual insight because of fresh air, because she does really totally get into into these interviews like crazy. Also, I think I saw her go on. Was it Jimmy Fallon? I just saw her go on Jimmy Fallon and he asked her how they get ready for interviews. And Jimmy was talking that talking about the fact that he goes in there and he like generally Terry, it's a dark. You don't really see her. I believe that you don't see her. I believe that she and the guest don't see each other. And she is essentially listening only to the guest. And the guest is also only listening to her. And I think Jimmy asked 
her something like, why does that happen? It feels really weird and awkward. And she was just saying that she just really, truly wants to hear what the guest has to say. And she has to be super, super focused on what she's doing. And she believes that it's a, it brings a lot of value to the interview. And I thought like, aha, I love that. That is so cool. And I think um, she's there's amazing. Also, she's amazing. There was one time where I think Mark Marin uh, interviewed her on his show on stage, like at a lot. It was a, like a live interview with Mark Marin, and it was an, an amazing interview, both bo- for both ways, because he really went deep into the kinds of questions that he's really interested in, in getting. She was very transparent in the way that she answers questions. And she also really pushed him to asking some really cool questions. I want to see if I can dig up that link to that uh, conversation because it was it was amazing. There's so much to learn by listening to her. So I can't wait. So the reason that I'm talking about this is because you guys have to attend Podcast Movement. It's happening just starts um, in Philadelphia this July 23rd through the 26th. So there's three days of workshops and panels and parties and, you know, talking to each other and (sighs) having so much fun, so many different things that that are happening over there, over 100 sessions on all kinds of topics that are happening down there. So it's going to be so amazing. Please, please, please buy your ticket. Uh, You get $50 off of any level of registration. If you go to podcastmovement.com and you enter the promo code SHEP, so it's S-H-E-P, and we can't wait to hear from you there. We can't wait to see you. We've got some really fun things that are being worked on in the back end here for She Podcast for you guys that I feel like are going to be really, really awesome. Yes, I'm so excited. Yeah, it's going to be so great. Any day now, we can tell you about it. Any day now. Any day we'll be able to reveal some of that stuff. But it's like super in line with who we are as a community. And I can't wait to provide this little bit of service for you guys. And so we'll see how it all works out. And we're very, very excited. Please, please, please make sure July 23rd through July 26th, go to podcastmovement.com and enter promo code SHEP, S-H-E-P, for $50 off. Yay! Yay! <laughs> Yay! Dum, All right. Dum, 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 podcast movement in my hometown. Da, 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 da. Yeah! I'm so excited. Oh, look at that. It's me doing something that I didn't really do. Do you want to talk about, what do you want to talk I about? I think we want to talk about whatever this tooltip is. Hey, it's right. exciting. Okay, so Too I Too bad kinda... you can't watch the Oscars. I know. Too bad. I wasn't able to watch the Oscars. So this has to do, I'm kind of writing on a little bit of the Oscar stuff, right? And um, I didn't watch the Oscars because I don't have access to TV and I don't pay for any, anything really other than Netflix. And it wasn't on Netflix. So if it's not on Netflix, I can't do it. And I wasn't going to do it just for that. Plus my bandwidth sucks. So there was that. So, but here's the thing. I was watching Jessica's feed. (laughs) I was reading along with whatever commentary she had going on because she's really good at this stuff. So I was, I was, I was glad to keep you up to speed. I know. So I was with the in-laws and I was kind of watching this kind of stuff. And then Jess is like, what did you post about this? The inclusion writer? You were like, is it inclusion writer? Is it R-I-D-E-R? Or like you said, you well, went to search for it. Or inclusion Francis writer? Last as in like W-R-I-D-R. Award, last speech, last thing said the whole night. And she goes, I have two words for you. Inclusion writer. And now Google explodes right. with wondering what the F that is. 
Yeah, so exactly. I thought and I so would ask what it was. But it turns out yeah. she just heard about it too. She just learned about it last week. Exactly. So here's and and this is going to be a commentary. This is purely my point of view, and this is something I'm still formulating in my own crazy little head. But um, anyway, let's let's describe. So what what happened? Frances McDormand won an Oscar for Best Actress, and in her incredible speech, the last thing was that she said two words for you, <laughs> inclusion writer. And so it seemed like what this is, it, she just found out about this last week is what she mentioned. And it has to do with the, uh, like essentially within the contract, there is a little like tidbit that says there need to be an X amount of diversity or, you know, inclusion in the, not only in the cast, but also in the crew and everything that's involved with this, um, whatever it is, the movie, TV show, whatever it is, so that you can essentially say, if you want me to do your movie, you need to have X amount of diversity within the people that are working in there. Okay. So, which I think is, is awesome. And it's, it was designed, I think in 2014 is what I think I believe I, I, I read, or it was put forth in a TED talk 2016. That's 2016. That's right. So this was, um, it said that Stacy Smith, founder of the Annenberg Inclusion Initiative at the University of Southern California, was the first to explore the idea of adding an inclusion writer as part of a contract clause in a 2016 TED Talk. The typical feature film has about 40 to 45 speaking characters in it. I would argue that only 8 to 10 of those characters are actually relevant to the story. The remaining 30 or so roles, there's no reason why those minor roles can't match or reflect the uh, demography of where the story is taking place. She said at that time, an equity writer by an A-lister in their contract can stipulate that those roles reflect the world in which we actually live. So that inclusion writer has then taken to also reflect not only the people that are, again, in the roles in front of camera, but in back of camera as well. So I thought like, oh, that's really cool. That's an awesome way to put this forward. So how does this apply to podcasting and what I started to think about? And, you know, most of the things that Jess and I have seen this and we've have seen many posts um, on She Podcast saying like, you know, the top 10 podcasts, uh, uh, business podcasts, and it's all these white men, right? And there's always this compl- complaining about all these things, of all these lists and um, all these panels that are all with the white men, that all of these conferences that have the majority white men. And, and, and it just seems like that's becoming a conversation that comes forward all the time. Um, and even those um, telesummits, same thing, all of the pictures of the, all the white men. And so there, maybe there kind of is going to come up time because at, now as podcasters in our industry, we might have gotten a little bit of clout. We've gotten a little bit of expertise. People think that we might be the reason why people are coming to conferences, why people are wanting to sign up for teleseminars, because as you know, um, whenever somebody is gathering a group of influencers, they generally go for the people that have the most influence so that your thing can succeed. Correct? So how about if somebody comes to you and says, will you be part of my conference or will you partner with us? Uh, to promote this conference? Or will you, you know, be part of this book that um, I want to be part of? I'd love to have you be part to, to participate in the book. 
you know, because we have that happen too, where it's like, I want to mention she podcasts, you will be in my book and blah, blah, blah. Then we can say, absolutely, you can. And then we have an inclusion writer. We say, hey, you have X amount of diverse voices. If you're featuring in there, we totally 100% want to be part of it. And we stipulate something along those lines as well. Um, also for being an interview shows, like if somebody asks you to be on a show and says like, Hey, would you be part of my show? And then you look at their stuff and you say like, I would love to be part of your show. If you can guarantee that you will have three women of color as part of an interview later or whatever, one person, something like that. Well, that's the stipulation. I'm not saying anything about your suggestion. I'm asking you if there's a differential based on the fact that when you're hired for a movie, you have the right to stipulate X, Y, and Z because you're being paid um, and because you're a main part. Whereas when you're a guest on a podcast, you're kind of, you can't really dictate how they do their show. You can certainly decide, well, your show isn't diverse enough and therefore I won't go on it. Oh, yeah. I think that here's how I see that. Exactly how you just said it. These are my guidelines because we all do, right? Because there's times when, like, let's say I have certain guidelines for being on shows like right now that have to do primarily with time constraints. So I can't just do the show whenever you're ready. Or I have to say, we cannot do video because my, my bandwidth does not work. That's just, if you want me to have you on the show, I'm sorry, but we can't do video. So that's pretty, yeah. right? That's pretty decent. I mean, if I can say that kind of stuff to somebody, because it's you can it's, say anything you want to anyone, anytime, right, anywhere. I'm just saying it's different for actresses because they're getting paid. Unless you're paying people to be on your show, and then they give you a stipulation. But if you ask someone to be a guest, and then they say, "I'll be a guest, but only if you have a person of color on before the week before me and the week after me." Well, see here. Here's the thing where I think it's the same because of the influence aspect. So even if they say okay, you know, F you or uh, I'm not going to do that or that doesn't align with my show. That's great because number one, they've already let they've, they've let me know that it, this isn't something that they value. And number two, the possibility that it makes them think, just think about the way that they are putting themselves out there. And if this is something that they value, if their brand wants to reflect the way the world is and to provide underrepresented voices more of a place to be as well, then this is going to further that discussion, whether I'm being paid or not. But as somebody that stands for something, I feel that this is a conversation we can bring to the table. In the same way that I say I can't do video or I can't record at night, I can also say the these are things that I really align with. There's another show that I just did actually that I um I recorded an episode for her show. It's called the Wild Elixir Show. And um, when I, you know, I booked the session with her to, to, to record and everything. And she has some really like, here's what she requires of her guests. The one thing that's going to make or break whether or not she actually follows through is that you find out where your, the land that you live in, what is the source of that land? Like, who did it belong to originally? And I'm not talking mm-hmm. about who, who lived in your house. I'm talking about what were the peoples, what were the native peoples that lived where you live now? Like, what's the history Mm -hmm. around that? And if you cannot answer that question or you choose not to find out, 
that's a deal breaker. Like the show won't go on because that's what the show, the conversations around that. So I mm. find that to be like incredibly clear. And, and she makes it clear. She's like, if you can't find this out, I'm sorry, but we're not going to do the show together. And she makes yeah. sure that this is rem- a reminder. So, yeah, of course. And it will absolutely turn some people off because you'll be like, what do you mean? Like, I, I'm not, I'm not going to go do research about w- yeah. what these people are. I don't care. Well, obviously, you shouldn't be on the show. And so to me, that's a really hard line for putting forward. And it's going to make people go, oh, and then it's going to make people go like, this matters to me. OK, I'm going to. Mm-hmm. I found out what happened in New York. I did. I did the research. And I found out that the area that I lived in was part of the Trail of Tears for people when they were moved, when they were essentially the natives that were sent out of this area somewhere else. It's like, Mm -hmm. and so all of the different um, tribes that used to live primarily in this specific area that I live in, um, in West North Carolina. So I learned a lot and it was a really great discussion that we had of the, of the people. And even that this, and I, I was clear and I said, I, you know, looked up all this information. I don't know enough about the specific tribes, but this is what I learned. And this is how I found out about it. And I didn't know that this was part of that. So it really enriched the process and me knowing that I was sitting on this land and it gave me a lot of history. So anyway, I'm just bringing this forth because if that matters, especially for those of us who do get asked a lot, like somebody like John Lee Dumas, like somebody like Pat Flynn, like somebody like those people that are constantly being touted to be inside of, uh, you know, to go do a show, to be able to say like, you know what, I'd love to do your show. These are some of the stipulations that I have, sort of like a writer, (laughs) exactly, you know, an inclusion writer. This is what I would love to see from you so that we can have this relationship or so that I can come on your show. That's it. It starts a conversation. And if you say no, certainly does. Great. Yeah. And if you say no, cool. That's fine. It's your show. But it's the conversation leads. I think a good first step is when people, so, like, for me, I keep constantly being asked to be part of telesummits and things like that. And if I look at the other speakers and I look at last year's and they are all white people, I don't even respond. But you think I should respond and say if you're if it was more diverse than maybe? Yeah. But if you're if you're willing to do the summit, like, I mean, you know, if you if it you know, if I'm not like like if I'm not interested in doing a specific show, I'm just going to say no regardless, you know, because it doesn't align with anything that I want to like. It's not my people kind of thing. Right. So there also has to be a strategy around that for you. And it has to be worth your time, either somebody that you want to speak with or two because it's their show or you want to build a relationship with them. But if it's a telesummit that are those crappy ones that are going to make us have to email our list and all this shit. Forget about that stuff because we're not going to do that anyway. Well, right. But I just mean, you know, I still I still I'm very conscious of that anyway. Right. I think that it would be that if there is a like a a clearly detailed and it's not something that you randomly say, but say like that in in just the same way that these sort of contract stipulations are added into a contract, the language has already been predetermined. So it's not like you have to come up with all the stuff. It's like, how can we, and I think that that's part of what we say or what we come together 
and decide. And that's why I feel like the podcasting advocate side of things or advocacy side of things needs to step into this. That if you do choose to do this, we just provide the language. This is what you say. This is what you say to somebody that wants you to be on the show. These are two sentences that you can put in there that are not um, exclusive and they're not pushing anybody away, but it's really more focused on a value that you hold dear and that you want to bring it forth, right? So it's not like in your face in a negative way, like how dare you not have any people of color on your show. It's more about these are my values. This is what I speak on. This is what matters to me. I'd love to be on your show if, you know, whatever this is, this happens, something along those lines. So, but maybe we can start the conversation. So I'll put this out for you people and um, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see what happens. I'm going to write a little more about this to see like what goes on with this. So, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think that we're finished with our show for today. No way. Are yeah, sure? way, dude. I think we are unless we have another something that we have forgotten to see. But Oh, you know what? I would like to say thank you to everyone who donated for the race. Oh, my God. Um, yes. I did the 5K like five days ago. And I was still getting people donating while I was walking the race and after oh and God. on the way home. And later that day, I ended up raising $7,200. <gasps> Get out of town, dude. That's phenomenal. 10% of the entire event was raised by me. Thanks to you guys. Wow. I could not have done it without you. Thank you so much. It means so much that you would support me that way. And I was the top. I'm not original fundraiser because I'm an original gangster. That's why top uh, individual fundraiser, not original. <laughs> oh my god, she's top the original. original. Uh, I'm OG. You're I'm OG gangster. fundraiser. But yeah, so it was so cool and exciting. So I just want I wanted to make sure that I said thank you. Elsie and I lately have been having some interest in our one two punches where we do one session with each of us. So I just wanted to. Put it out there that if you guys are interested, go to our about page, shepodcast.com forward slash about. And at the bottom, it says, if you want to work with us, people have been getting some good results from it. So I just wanted to mention it. Thank you to our new clients who we've been working with. It's been super fun. I feel like in some ways, some of the people I've been working with, like Julie, for example, it's like having, it's like little magical fairies keep showing up for me. I know. Interact I know with. she's one See, of them. It's amazing. Sure, so. I think that our 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 peeps are amazing. And also, just as a note, guys, I add that one two punch to our show notes every single episode. So if you scroll to the top, if you're looking through the show notes and you go straight through wherever you're listening, it generally is located at the top part of the show notes. So we I I try to put our um, sponsors right at the top as well. And whenever if you don't have a sponsor for the show. I have the one-two punch that leads, but it is leading right at the top. So you don't even have to go to our website. You could just click straight through our show notes within your hand and check out what that's all about. It's yes. so great. It is so great. So ShePodcast.com, Facebook.com forward slash ShePodcast, Twitter.com forward slash ShePodcast. I've been thinking, what do you think about an Instagram? I know. I've been thinking about an Instagram as well. We'll see if we, we can. we can both put- share an Instagram? We can share an Instagram. You just give me that. Yeah. It'd be great. Check us out on Instagram as she podcasts. Oh my God. I know we have to get. I I hope that handle is open. That would suck. Oh my God. I'm going to pee my pants because we're going to have an Instagram dance. (laughs) Yeah. 
Oh my God, I'm going to pee my pants. We're going to have an Instagram dance. We're going to start Instagram. We, I don't know why we've avoided it for so long. I have so many things to put. You know what I'm going to post first, Elsie? What? What all are you going to post? All the pictures I have from all the things we've done all this time. We're going to have a feed and a half. I'm just going to okay. have so many things to post. Do it. Do it. Do it. I'm going to do it. Okay. Do it. Let's all see. Right. Can we sign up? Okay. Let's check us out on Instagram, people. Uh, at She Podcast, our group is facebook.com forward slash group forward slash She Podcast. Or you can send us an email at feedback at shepodcast.com. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Love you. Mean it. Bye. <laughs>